It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is for Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Spot titled BGW slash 21 slash census slash SN slash July 4th slash save up to 40% slash FC slash tickets slash radio. It's a 30 second spot and the code is VBGW 021039R. Nothing ignites your senses like the European adventures and world-class thrills of Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Hear the gravity-defying drops and speed of our record-breaking coasters. See the world's most beautiful theme park as you stroll through our elegantly themed villages. And treat all your senses to the live concerts, nightly fireworks and coasters in the dark at summer nights. June 25th to July 29th. Save up to 40% on tickets and fun cards. Hurry, offer in soon. Restrictions apply. Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. I almost forgot to start my own show because I'm just so stressed out. I'm so stressed out for episode 82 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Colm Regan and I are very, very stressed out uh, <laughs> because, well, I think we're just shocked that an apparition, Relax, guys. An apparition has appeared in the studio. I'm back! <laughs> I'm not applauding. I am not applauding. For those of you who missed our Sunday recording episode, and I mean missed our Sunday recording episode, Craig, uh, what happened? Uh... I, I don't remember because I was unconscious at the time in bed. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, but what happened at two o'clock when I woke up was that I went, oh shit, what? I missed the show. It was terrific. <laughs> yeah. Flurry of, volley of messages that we, we got in our own <laughs> Block caps, just <laughs> fucking hell. Jesus. Uh, so we haven't sacked him, despite Yay. some calls. Uh, I actually tried to get Richard Chambers on this episode to kind of <laughs> to be, replace your, me. To be your shadow audition replacement man. Oh, awesome. Do you want to say it to the listeners? First of all, listeners who came to the live show, and then also the listeners who've been listening all along. Thanks for coming to the live show, guys. And um, to the listeners that go like way back with us, um, 
I feel like I had to do it. I mean, it wasn't really a proper episode. I mean, I had a great interview with Sean Adams, of course. But, like, I mean, let's not forget, guys, before the live show, there was talk of that episode being called, like, ADB. Do you know what I mean? So I was getting mixed signals, and I was thinking, well, it's the same week. It's kind of like a repeat performance directly after the show, almost like an encore. I got nothing. I'm deeply so, sorry. Uh, it has nothing to do with uh, me leaving you at 20 to 3 in the morning in tramline, <laughs> and then you not leaving there until, what, 5, was it? Or? It was slightly later. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, you forced me to go out for three nights in a row. Forced I'm you. an old man now. I'm forced at the end you. of my 20s. <laughs> You're a student. I went out for like 13 nights in a row <laughs> Sorry, before you started giving it One of those nights in a row was our live show. <laughs> you did kind of force him into that, though. Yeah, yeah I guess, you did. Yeah, I you did. Um, we're all like, I'm not hosting it on my own. And Craig was like, fine. I'll fine, we'll you. do it. Yeah. We'll do it. Um, well, I, yeah, I'm here now when it counts. It's, <laughs> it's, I was going to say, it's good to have you back. You're back. We'll just go with that. You're back. Yeah. Cool. I'm back. And you, will he be travelling across the country with us? He knows that we're doing this. Watch the next issue. Watch this space. <laughs> what are you talking about, Colin? We're going to Galway. Part of the National Student Radio Conference. We are going to be finishing it out on the Saturday afternoon, November 4th. Live from NUIG. Craig, do you fancy it? I might pop in. Okay, right, we'll see. I might pop well, in. We won't hold you to it, though. I mean, Nothing are, more firm than that. You are a student now, so yeah. You can, you know, you'll be with your own kind. <laughs> They're my own yeah. kind so now. I they feel better, you know? Students yeah, of Galway. Swap notes. Okay. Do, you want to sit in, do you want to sit with the students while we do the show? <laughs> sure. I, I'm like pretty, good, pretty good with a roaming mic, am I? I mean, you've seen, seen me seen in action when yeah, yeah, the yeah, stage yeah. has been too full for and me, you, and I've had to stand at the side of the stage. Craig was referring to the time at Electric Picnic, I think it was 2012, when... I walked by the hot press tent <laughs> and was met with a surreal image of, I think it was all five of O Emperor on yeah, the stage. Yeah. And because there was no more room, you were standing in the crowd like a fucking game show host, <laughs> just clad in a suit, of course. Yeah, just shouting questions. And yeah. I was like, huh? I've been there as well. Yeah. yeah. I had to do with the stripes because their actual interview didn't turn up. So I just had to stand in the crowd and shout questions at them. Wow. I was refusing to go on stage because I just was not ready. That happened twice with the Stripes. I had to interview them on short notice yeah, as well. Yeah, because I, I went to see Explosions Was that you? Yeah, yeah. Wow, because you had to see I went to see Explosions in the bands. Sky. Yeah, and yeah. I, was like, I was like, I'd rather in- go and see Explosions in the Sky than interview the Stripes. Yeah. Would you mind? And they proceeded to mock me for not knowing much about them. Oh, well, I went to Explosions in the Sky and there was, Lovely some, guys, there was some girl like sitting on her boyfriend's shoulders like fucking... Being like, this song is my favourite song! And I was like, do you even know who this band is? Yeah. Where were you in 2008 when I was crying in Tripod, huh? Huh? <laughs> Jesus. By crying, I mean a solitary tear going down my cheek in the apex of the show, listener. Anyway, uh, let's talk news, and let's bring it right down. I was about to say, yeah, all that joviality to start the show, and it's kind of been a sad week. Um, first with the news that uh, Tom Petty passed away. Yeah, and it was kind of, it was news before it actually happened, yeah, which it made strange. it worse. That was a, an odd night where it was announced that he'd uh, passed away from cardiac arrest um, at his ho- home in Malibu, and then it turned out that he was actually in hospital, and it was kind of a, an overnight thing of, like, hoping to wake up with some miracle because he was in a grave state, and sadly it wasn't to be, but um, yeah, I mean, just like, this one hit me really hard, because I think sometimes you kind of overlook Tom Petty just because he was kind of so good at just writing, like, classic rock melodies that are just a part of the fabric of, you know, that kind of thing. You you absolutely nailed it there, because when I was trying to put my thoughts together for this, I said, like, yeah, he was just, he was like the songwriting colossus, but the weirdest thing is that when I was growing up, he was one of those artists that, like, my aunts listened to, I'd hear 
back in the day, so to speak. But yeah. I always assumed that the songs I was hearing were like 70s Stone Cold classics. It was only years later that I learned like Free Falling and yeah, yeah. Uh, Learning to Fly. They were all like late 80s coming into the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I was alive for all of those. <laughs> yeah. And I was stunned when I found out. Yeah. And then what's more, then you kind of go, an American girl, how about that? And you're like, oh no, that was 1976 or something. It turns out that this guy just had like this ageless ability to tap into that Crazy. sort of style. Yeah, and like for he, twenty he, years plus, and he could easily, you know, rub shoulders with the likes of Bob Dylan and George Harrison in the Traveling Wilburys. Like he was of that stature. And when you think of like American kind of, you know, like Heartland Rock, you think of Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty. They're like the two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, he didn't have like you know the boss's authority, and I'm going to you know talk about social issues and all of that kind of thing. But he had some bloody great it's tunes. It's impossible and, to talk yeah. about the war on drugs uh, without referencing Tom Petty. I've done it, oh, done yeah. it myself. Yeah, yeah. But um, my abiding memory of Tom Petty is when I was younger, I had the VHS tape of Ireland's World Cup World qualification. Cup you had it. <laughs> the ho- no, it was the homecoming. Was no, no, it? no, 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 no. Because it was like it was them going to the World Cup, right? And I think it was like when they scored the goal to get them there. Won't back down was playing over this montage reel and I was like you know a young a young boy all about big dreams and all these things that are now that, gone of that, course this would make sense because I had and I was I, I, I would watch it on repeat like you know and burn it into me yeah. so that, that song to me is always suited with that and will always be there that's, yeah. so, mm-hmm. that, that's weird because I was just thinking about when this. Ireland crash out uh, of the current <laughs> yeah. World Cup qualification see uh, Martin Neal just yeah. got given a, a, new, a new deal oh, just announced did he? What? Yeah. Today. Why not? Of all it's days. Crazy. They've done this before. This, by the way, folks, is like less than 24 hours before the Moldova game, so it that could is like the worst. all end in like, This happened before. I swear this happened before with him. You no, know, like this sort of stuff does happen. Like, I can remember... Uh, a trap. In, in it was like, rug- hey, we're not going to qualify. Have a new contract. Yeah, it happened with rugby as well. Eddie O'Sullivan signed a contract like immediately before the World Cup. And then we got thumped and everyone was like... <sighs> yeah, no, they just necessarily, like, literally like uh, 10 minutes ago. That's the most Sorry. ridiculous professional decision since you guys let me stay on that encore. It's true, it's true. But yeah, I was just going to me- mention is... Uh, um, his Super Bowl halftime show a few years ago, mm-hmm. which was just amazing, and I remember like those some of those songs you mentioned, like Free Fallen and stuff. And then towards the end, it was the one where um, I think the Giants beat the Patriots, like just kind of out of the blue. Yeah, yeah, the Tom catch. Brady was like crying at the end as they played that Free Falling again over the end, and I was just like, "This is just America. This <laughs> yeah. is the most American thing I've ever seen in my life." And um, yeah, Tom Pet- Petty kind of epitomized everything that you know, makes America aspirational at a time when, you know, a lot of the American stuff isn't so great. Yeah. And speaking of which, yeah, I mean, very, we, very, very we dark news. have to talk news. about it. You yeah, know, of course. We, yeah, um, yeah, on Sunday uh, at a country music festival in Las Vegas, uh, at least 58 people killed and more than 500 others wounded uh, in an attack where Stephen Paddock uh, from the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel um, opened fire. Truly horrific. I mean, it's yeah. it's like is it the worst mass it's shooting the worst in mass American, American history? Yeah. I can't make sense of those numbers. Yeah, I just can't make sense of them. When you think like it was a fully automatic gun, mm. as you're literally talking about, and just from that height as well, so you uh, it's just spraying. Like, yeah, right? it, it's not yeah. worth thinking about. Um, no, no, it's not. And yeah, I mean, like you say, those numbers in in any walk of life are startling and frightening. But uh, I suppose for for a music world that's already kind of in the past, you know, 12 or 18 months been shocked by the Anna Grande concert. I suppose it's two years now going back to the Bataclan, but that, you know, also was a... A truly horrific event. Um, there was the shooting in uh, Pulse nightclub. It was it in Miami. Yeah, that's right. Of course, same in, thing. In Orlando. It's people yeah. going to have a good time and like you know, they like kind of just like enjoy music and be with their friends. And I, I find 
these acts of terrorism in particular because that's what they are. I don't know if Donald Trump doesn't want to call him a terrorist, f- fair enough, but that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I find these ones in particular to be just among the most cowardly. It's pure cowardice. It's fucking disgusting. I, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm sick of it. I mean, like, now Encore is obviously a very, you know, we're irreverent and we, we, we try and yeah. have a sideways glance at the world of music, but obviously it would be irresponsible of us, I think, as broadcasters to not look at this. But all we can say really is, I mean, it's horrific. It's horrible. It's impossible to try and make sense of one person did this. I just, it is pure evil it is horrendous it is awful and i hate that it happened yeah and of course you know once you get past the the awful tragedy and the loss of life i mean especially in america now a lot of the talk turns to gun rights and that issue and one of the things that is kind of interesting about this case i guess was because it was at a country music festival and you know so many of these musical events and the artists you would think would you'd kind of just assume oh they're quite liberal leaning they're probably for gun restrictions this is kind of um you know hitting a part of the music culture in the states where you'd have a lot of support Supporters for gun rights and stuff, so the debate is kind of fiercer than it might have been otherwise, and a few people have been speaking out. Yeah, already one of the acts to actually play the festival um, have weighed in, uh, Caleb Keeter, a guitarist for the Josh Abbott Band, um, performed at the festival, and he said that, you know, he's been a proponent of the Second Amendment all his life until the events of last night. Um, he says, we need gun control right now. My biggest regret is that I stubbornly didn't realise it until my brothers on the road and myself were threatened by it. We were unbelievably fortunate not to be among the number of victims killed or seriously wounded by this maniac. Yeah, he had guns on the bus, on his tour bus. Yeah, but, but what's more, they said... Them, and also, he's like, if we pull out guns, we'd be shot dead on the spot. Yeah. yeah, I think I kind of, you know, like that old argument you get where, well, if the good guys yeah, have good guns guy, yeah. and it doesn't quite work out that way when this r- totally random event happens and, you know, a kind of something on that scale. Uh, Roseanne Cash, obviously, um, the daughter of um, the late Johnny Cash, so a huge figure in country music, has been speaking out, as she's done kind of many times in the past, but she's written a new op-ed for for the New York Times. Um, she's basically called for all country artists to stand up against the National Rifle Association. And she's talked about how she's been kind of a gun control activist for 20 years. Um, she's, you know, she's been speaking out a lot and she says she gets a lot of kind of, well, threats and things against her. She hears, you know, your garden variety, your dad would be ashamed of you, sexist nonsense, along with much more menacing threats. Um, but the gist of her point is that I guess stand up to the bullies and don't let you know the NRA Ray dictate this argument because it's not just so- solely their doing. Who've done their usual social media blackouts yeah. and kind of not uh, talking at all when something like this happens. Um, I mean, I saw some reaction to your man Caleb Keeter. People were like, you know, saying, oh, you know, how fucking dare you have the opinion that you had up until now. I mean, ultimately, I would say, look, whatever it caused him to see the fucking light, at least it's a good thing. For example, I'm more disappointed with Killer Mike of Run the Jewels, who everyone thinks is, like, the most liberal guy in the world. Turns out he isn't, because he's all, like, he's 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 pro... Like, he doesn't want gun control. Yeah, no, no, no. What the fuck? Yeah, but, I mean, you see, the thing is that, like... You know, people start to judge moral outrage at a certain point here. Like, I mean, the most obvious example being um, the Eagles' death metal. And Jesse, what's his face? His surname Hughes. Is, yeah, yeah Hughes. Jesse Hughes. Um, who, yeah, is a defender of the Second Amendment and blah, blah, blah. And so after the Bataclan, when he wasn't sort of towing the line... Oh, he went from hero was, to villain, yeah. Precisely, when he, because he wasn't towing the line that a lot of people expected him to do after the fact. Yeah, I think, I think this is like one of the worrying things maybe about, you know, uh, worrying things about social media, but, you know, it is... Oh, you're this thing. Like for your judge, but you're just, you're this one thing. Yeah. So extremes, you have to be in line yeah. with, it's very black and white and people are, you know, people contain multitudes and people learn new things all the time and 
they evolve. And, and emotions are obviously running yeah. seriously high in the wake of something like this. Right. And it's horrendous, it's horrible, and I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Um, apart from, let's move on to a story which is also kind of grim. <laughs> We're um, getting through them. Not as grim. Glad to be back, guys. <laughs> I, I Should have slept through this one. <laughs> I, I promise the show will go into an upswing yeah. before the last news oh, yeah. story. We'll okay? I yeah. swear. <laughs> but we have to talk about this as well. Um, Anthony Fontano, known as The Needle Drop, he is a YouTuber. He used to be a blogger. Kind yes. of still is a bit of a blogger. He's in the news this week. Now, if you don't know who he is, we've actually talked about him on the show before. As a matter of fact, back in June when we had Richard Chambers on the podcast, when we were reviewing Finn Staples' Big Fish Theory, we closed off by giving it scores and Anthony Fontano's name came up. That sounded like this. No. I'll give him an 8 out of 10 for the album and a 10 out of 10 for pissing Anthony Fontano off. Do. Oh, can we talk? Can we talk about about Anthony Fontano for a second? Can we? Yes. He is a guy. He used to have a blog called The Needle Drop, and oh. now he has a YouTube channel, and he does album reviews. And yeah, he seems to have a bit of a bee in his bonnet about Finn Staples. He fucking hates all new good rap music. That is, he does. He he trashed Damn, which is, I mean, yeah. Come on, I mean, I didn't. It wasn't Kendrick Lamar's best album, obviously, but like. Perspective, man. Perspective. Perspective. From the internet's busiest music wanker. <laughs> yes. I find him very irritating. He's I hate f- those kind of quick cut video edits anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Transition. Yeah. You can see the smugness levels increasing as it's popping. And what Lord is doing yeah. with this one is she's really tapped into the yeah. mindset of... I think he never says anything. No, you know, yeah. nothing. Yeah. nothing. Yeah. We're calling you out, Fantano. Yeah. Give us so yeah, we called Anthony Fantano, and it turns out someone else has beaten us to it. <laughs> Ezra Marcus from The Fader has written a massive expose mm. about Anthony Fantano. Essentially, uh, how do we give the cliff notes here, Craig? Uh, okay, so Anthony Fantano, as well as having the needle drop, has this other YouTube channel called That Is The Plan, um, which he's taken offline now. Um, the, the Fader writer is saying that it's actually, he's, he's removed all the content in response to kind of questions over some kind of troubling content, maybe, that was on it. And I wasn't actually aware they even had this, and I was trying to figure out what exactly was going on, so I can't give a proper account really of the you know extent of what he was doing, or even some of these allegations, but essentially the kind of accurate accusation is that he was very much like pandering to the alt-right um you know kind of getting involved with a lot of memes that would veer on the side of you know anti-social justice warrior and anti-feminist and doing a lot of kind of parodies of rappers as well um outright impressions as well yeah um which is which is very much kind of in contradiction to like he's had a stance uh where he like he's he, he feels like he's very much embedded in hip-hop culture in a respectful way and he's, you know, refused to say the N-word and kind of other admirable things like this. But it just seems like this is a real almost split personality thing between the two channels and yeah. He has yet to respond. He's going to respond. He said that much and I presume he's going to go down the road of I'm playing a character, the character of satire and I mean like ultimately I kind of feel like while that may be a defence I don't think he's anywhere near as brilliantly funny and clever as he thinks. He's terrible first of all. Without a doubt. I mean there are some things that are taking issue within this Fader article and I'm sure elsewhere which are clearly done for comedic purposes albeit they are not funny not funny in the slightest yes but uh, uh, yeah like you know there's ne- not necessarily the badness in them that people are necessarily trying to yeah, and like I, I don't just from kind of yeah what I've been trying to figure out about the channels. I don't actually think he's like so you know history's greatest monster or whatever. He's just really really crap at satire. You see, 
and I also think he's he's trying to have his cake and eat it as well Probably. because I mean the article says that it, like itself it's kind of you know he's like a lot of people that would be maybe aligned with all right stuff and support um, him quite strongly yeah yes. like on 4chan well, like music boards has had some on, crossover he has had on like people on his show who are disgusting human like beings Sargon. and have said really horrible shit really nasty misogynistic violent things yeah like apparently and he's, he's like laughing yeah, along he was not com- chastising yeah. them he was and, like, in conversation apparently with this Sam Hyde guy mm-hmm. now he's apparently like a like he's like an edgy he sees himself as an edgy comedian so he'll talk about like you know God, God, raping people and blah 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 but he'll do it under the auspice of like well I'm just pushing the boundaries sure. it's almost like it's like a really bad Jerry Sadowitz or something from the 80s, mm-hmm, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But all these people are really dreadful at doing it. And yeah, I think the thing is, Fantano probably sees he's getting a lot of hits to these videos. He probably is he the guy that well. also enjoys the kind of adulation he gets from a lot of these people. And he's like just that timid bloke that won't actually stand up and say, listen, guys, getting a bit out of hand. I think it's probably that. There's a possibility. That I think the other reason, though, why he's in such trouble here is uh, a line that I always remember, an author that I interviewed coming out with where he said, like, an audience will tolerate anything except incompetence. Yes. Yeah, that's, where I think that's he, the real talking about creating a character ironically enough and he was saying that like you know you can make a really really flawed character in fact a bad person people will kind of fall into the rhythm of it if he's still functioning as he's meant to yeah but if you've got like a bumbling detective who's actually blowing cases that's when people lose their shit (laughs) and so when you've got what is essentially right now a combination of a comedy video maker who's not particularly funny and a music critic who Who's appears to not particularly to have, good well, and gave Kanye no sorry but, uh, I won't but, get into it but also but no 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 but like a music critic who now because of this has lost so much of the integrity that he very clearly was trying to build yeah. for a long time yeah he's it's not ego. left with a lot but it's ego way. though like it's definitely ego because I mean like the fact is he had this other channel running concurrently and it's there like it's not hidden and it's the thing where it's like he's hiding in plain sight like yeah. something like this was always going to happen now some people have described this Fader article as a hit piece people who are very uh, yeah. defensive of Fantano and and I think maybe there's an element of do you know what this guy is so massive let's take him down a peg or two I do think there could be now again this is like full proviso I wasn't aware of everything on the channel so I'm very much trying to catch up with this stuff but a lot of it seems a bit like like you know adding two and two together and getting five I think well, maybe one, I guess to wrap up what I would say is I know Craig you say he isn't history's greatest monster but what do you think his worst crime is <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, he gave Kanye West <laughs> my beautiful dark twisted fantasy a six out of ten. I'd say it's a seven. Bring back hanging. Oh, get rid of him. <laughs> Sick of him. Right, uh, let's have some levity, shall we? Let's. Uh, I went to see Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, a nice cheery what, rom-com. Family, family comedy, yeah. <laughs> On Monday at the media screening, guys. Right. And uh, yeah, that's when I left the cinema to learn that Tom Petty was dead. And then when I got home, he was alive. It was all very confusing. Uh, yeah, so Jared Leto is the main antagonist in that picture. Jared Leto, who, of course, comes under fire quite a lot, pretty much every time he opens his mouth or does anything. And yeah, um, he is in the news. Why are we talking about Jared Leto? Because he's going to play Hugh Hefner, the recently deceased Hugh Hefner body's not even cold yet and he is going to be in a film directed by Brett Ratner who's a famously terrible film director oh my god this is all the makings of a bad film I mean it must be said Dave that if I'd handed this to you right with all the proper nouns removed and asked you to start just guessing 
to fill it in, I think you'd have done really well. If I said blank is to play Hugh Hefner in a blank directed biopic, yeah, supported by blank and blank, uh, who else are in for the role? Well, Robert Downey Jr. and Hugh, Hugh Jackman were the other possibilities. Isn't Jared Leto like one of those intense method actor guys? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Craig, yeah. because he went from uh, for the role of the Joker in Suicide Squad, he became a massive prick and <laughs> pissed people off quite a lot. For Blade Runner 2049, he went blind because his character's blind. So what's he going to do for this? Is he going to oh, live no, no, no. in a mansion surrounded have, by half-naked he, women? Yeah, he won't <laughs> have to do much prep to play the role of a sexual deviant. Yeah. yeah. It must be said, though, like you said, he played a blind guy in Blade Runner. That's correct. Does he play a blind absolute prick? Because I didn't really notice a change in personality between the two movies. He's there. actually pretty good in Blade Runner. Now, yeah. to be fair, like he's, he can be like he's a talented guy. He, he is just guy, is a like, annoyingly prick. Uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's an awful human being. Um, well, here's the thing. Okay, Blade Runner. Uh, a bit shit as well. Quick sorry. capsule review because it's actually yeah. out in cinemas today. I'm a oh. massive fan of the original Blade Runner, yeah. and I've been hyped for this film all along. It's three out of five, guys. Uh, uh, it's very long. Down. It's way too long. It's Utterly, utterly mesmerising. I've heard it looks stunning. But okay. little lies behind those mesmerising eyes. Like Jared Leto. Jared Leto is one of the better things in the film. He's one of the better things in the film. But to be fair, he, he is very, he's not in the film that much. Okay. And his dialogue is very ponderous, and I don't really know what he was talking about. But actually, do you know what? He could, like, he'll probably do a good job in this, but it's the Brett Ratner thing that actually got me when I was reading Now True. It's just like, because I think there's a very interesting story to be told about Hugh Hefner and how he changed culture and how he always kind of wanted to be seen as a proper journalist as well and that kind of thing. I don't think we're going to get that from the guy that, like, was behind the Rush era franchise. Yeah, I don't think so. Although the last stand, yeah. Although you know what? Then again, hey, Rush is fun. When you when you look, I know, but you know, when you look at Hugh Hefner's life and the sort of different viewpoints and different opinions that would be you know subject to it I don't think you could ever have a sort of an authoritative biography well I just no. hope that the Vince McMahon film beats him to it because that would be similar right? oh yeah that's in production <laughs> I know I know do I've you heard know, that do you know who, who, who they're courting to play the role I, oh, I do I can't remember off the top of my head now um, Bradley Cooper that's it yeah 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 that's yeah. actually a good show is it yeah, a good no, show it's quite a good show okay, yeah, yeah. okay fair enough I reckon he could walk like a puppet any day right well listen uh, before we get to songs of the week coming up later in the show we will have a listening guide we haven't done one in a long time and we have a shocking figure in the world of music for this week's listening guide and we'll be reviewing the new album from Wolf Parade Cry 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 but first it's the songs of the week guys can I have a number between one and five please number three please this is the Breeders it's their first song since 2009 it's called Wait in the Car the breeders I grew up in a house where the breeders were played on repeat quite a lot I thought you were going to say you grew up in the house with the breeders I did not uh, but I heard their music quite often and that kind of style like bands like Belly Pixies obviously Um, you know they're kind of like I guess Pixies would be a good example to use where it's like bands of this generation this era this style they kind of fizzled out and I mean like in terms of creating new material Mm. so a comeback song can only do so much and I guess maybe they knew that because this is very short very to the point and it sounds like what, pretty much what you think it would sound like yeah, it's, it's fine it's, it's time capsule stuff to be honest isn't it like if, really if somebody had told me that this was like actually an off cut from Last Splash you probably wouldn't doubt it like the production's ever so slightly cleaner 
but that's probably the only advancement in the 20 years or 25 years or whatever it is. Yeah, like I think it's they haven't released anything in about eight years and this is actually the first time that that Last Splash lineup have kind of recorded since the Last Splash album. Um, and yeah, I think maybe Offcut is the right word because look, I was a fan of the Breeders and, you know, Kim Deal, of course. Um, I, I still think her presence is, you know, sorely missed in Pixies. But this was a bit like I I like their kind of early Dave dynamism. Dave's delighted passes there. Oh yeah, yeah, she's great. <laughs> What's <laughs> the problem? Also, I was taking a bite of a sandwich. Here. <laughs> so professional, for Dave. Me back in. God Almighty, lowering the tone. <laughs> but no, this is really like uh, it feels like the riff just it feels like one of those reheated kind of like riffs. Some pub slash punk band in London wrote back in the 70s yeah. it's very dated Pazel it's Jan's very a great bass player just want to put it out there great you know she was yeah. a perfect circle yeah that's Colm just thinks I've got a crush on her okay like, yeah. she's really good at her job but this song going back to it, I mean it's okay it's actually it's got a punchy rhythm and like you say it's lightning quick as well so it doesn't yeah, overstay it doesn't it's, welcome. it's welcome yeah it's fine, but it's not going into my playlist of, you know, best songs this yeah, year. No. It's grand. Craig, a number, please. Uh, number two, please. Stop. Okay, I'm excited about this one. This is Stormzy. It's called 4pm in London. Please do not disturb me when I'm praying. These dumb pricks want to see me leave, but we're staying. I need to drop my album for the streets, what we're saying. Let me drop it for the people. Heard the first tape, they want the sequel. Check the word, Craig isn't equal. Scary foes and a scary beat is getting evil. And if I need to talk about peas, I feel lethal. Yeah, Bizzle, that's my family. Got a little family. He said you got some millies now, welcome to the family Remember when you done the Dench tour when you bang me 2017 now I'm directing like I'm standing Feeling better than I've ever been Filled with adrenaline Got an A and King, you can see it in my melanin Do a world tour, going places that you've never been Man are doing shows now from Serbia to Kettering It's funny how it happens when you're young and you're blessed when they're saying no, but my God's saying yes. Excited about this one for a couple of reasons. One, because he's checking in with us, essentially, ahead of his second record. Mm-hmm. We know this won't be on the second album because the closing lyric is, uh, second album coming soon. <laughs> like, yep. Yep. But I'm also excited to see if... Uh, can Craig finally learn to love grime and thus Stormzy? I mean, this didn't strike me as grime, really. I'm just dragging you know this. I mean? Craig I mean, hates grime all these genres are really um, interchangeable. No, I actually really like this because I mean it is essentially a freestyle. Um, his voice on it, like it's very unpolished. Uh, it's quite emotional. It is, as you say, like an update. Um, and I, yeah, like I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I very much. I thought it was a powerful f- performance. It I like the hashtag Ly- Pogback reference. <laughs> Lyrically, <laughs> it's uh, in the kind of Kanye real friends area. Oh, very much. So, he's yeah. kind of saying like, you know, I'm successful now, and I now have all these new problems that I never had before. And also, I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders because not only am I expected to be good at what I'm doing because of the acclaim that met that, that sorry gang signs and prayer was met with, but like. You know, the people I grew up with are looking at me in a different way now, and I don't want to let them down. I also want to make sure that my friends are still my friends. I don't know what advice to come. I, I, so it's basically him. He has diagnosed himself preemptively with second album, album syndrome. Yeah. The fact that he's done it hopefully means that it actually won't take effect, but he's basically addressed all the sort of reasons that typically mess a band or mess an artist up for a second and record. Yeah, we've actually seen that kind of with Drake, I mean, not second album, but certainly with the More Life thing where he's just like, well, this isn't an album, this is just a kind of... It seems all these artists are very anxious not to be out of the limelight for too long. I guess because everyone wants things so immediately now, they feel like they have to... Just because he didn't feature on tracks once a fortnight. <laughs> yeah. since he dropped no, actually, I think Craig raises a very interesting point there. The likes of Drake and Stormzy and, I guess, maybe Bieber and a few others. Yeah. The fact that they're the most streamed as well indicates that the way that music is being consumed now by this by the current generation is very much like, yeah, 
it's immediacy. We, yeah. like, what did you do for me lately? I mean, it's like, you know, like yeah, you have much. to have stuff out all the fucking yeah. time. And I guess Stormzy is someone who clearly takes his art quite seriously. And especially, I think, if, if he didn't before, he certainly is now. And yeah. it's like, because the world is watching. And he knows the world is watching. And like, this felt like, a, you know, you're in a therapy session with the guy. And also, his performance is tremendous. I yeah, no, he, it is great. Very good. I thought his yeah. cadence was really compelling. Uh, I love the video, just him. Yeah. You know, the sample the works camera. really well, I thought. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's very it's skeletal, really ghostly, menacing almost. Like, yeah. But the more you listen to it, the more you're like, oh, there's more there than yeah. I initially told. Yeah. Like, Plus, yeah, when you really consider that, that this is a check-in, this is, you know, I mean, he's not phoning it in. Like, yeah. he, he obviously felt a little bit of pressure from whoever to put out a song and he's chosen to be honest and basically be like, look, yeah, here it is and here's what it sounds like and here's where I'm at and don't worry, you know, like, it's all good. See you soon. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I thought this was really fucking great. I also legit wanted to cheer when he just went, little fuck boys. I was just like, whoa, <laughs> go on, lass. Why? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Sass. Go on, Stormzy. Sass, as he clicks his own finger. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I, this is great and it makes me excited for the next record. But, you know, take your time. Don't rush it, mate. We're with you. Number one. Well, we mentioned Killer Mike earlier in the show. He's back with his buddy LP. I believe they're called Run the Jewels. <laughs> this song is off FIFA 18. It's called Mean Demeanor. Stuff spitting dust, pain and rain. We don't aim just dump. El Tornado want all y'all chumps. This that running bump, that B five four from attack and smack a jump. This that killer spit, that villain is vicious. Venom is El Tornado kick, 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 kick. Don't doubt we will mow down you dogs. No cops to spend here at all. We will now pound you all. Go shout it to the gods. RTJs arrive to make a minion cry. Burn our image in their eyes. Better get a little bit of that sense shit in you. I'm a long hitter, but I found the fuck out of frog rap dinner. You know, I've gone back to Run the Jewels 3, and every time I go back, I want it to be better than it is. It's still a good record, mm-hmm. but I still can't help but be a bit disappointed. I was a little bit disappointed when I saw them live as well. I wonder if I'm falling out of love with them a little bit. This did enough to keep me still interested. I think it's quite good, especially when you consider, you know, it's for a game soundtrack. This is And it, it does sound like it would be over the ad and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time... It's better than, say, when Robbie Williams did It's Only Us for FIFA 2000. Yeah, speak sure. for yourself, mate. And I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I'd, al- I'd also say that, yeah, this is probably a better track, even than the ones that kind of go a little bit towards that. We're not saying much in particular from the third album, so yeah. something like Ticketron, say, for instance. Um, I mean, I must say, like, I enjoy that kind of claustrophobic, condensed, sort of low-end bass throughout this track. It sounds really good. Like I say, lyrically, it's not strong, but then, yeah, it's for FIFA 18. I mean, you're talking about, A, a corporation that goes mental over, like, Palestinian flags and embroidered poppies, like, and B, who are targeting eight-year-olds. So, you know, there's a limit to what you can do. Yeah. Um, Strategy meetings must be a lot of fun. I'll tell you what. I mean, this is all right. Yeah, we just had that, like, hashtag pog back, and in this you've got, like, literally talk about a kick that's in the promotional stuff, El Tornado, <laughs> uh, which Ronaldo pulls off, and it does not look that impressive. Do you reckon they were like, I don't know about this, and it's like someone just, like, put the check in front of them? Yeah, like, how many yeah, zeros? So. I like the sleigh bells underneath. It kind of adds an it's interesting thing. It reminds me of Gwen Stefani's Christmas song, a bit. Oh, it's a great song. As we know from our live um, shows. Yes, of course. This is good. It's fine. Um, and I mean, it's 
it does the job. I mean, like this is designed to be played over a montage of goals as created yeah. by users and stuff like and so. I, like I, you know, users. Am I my dad? <laughs> Gamers? <laughs> Fuck. I think I, yeah, officially old. That's right. I mean, Killer Mike's flow in this is very good, and I like a lot of just some great internal rhyme stuff going on. But there's like something about this just being about nothingness and kind of or being about a video game, and then when you think they've done similar stuff about more you know more important issues sure maybe. yeah it kind of it doesn't undermine any of the other stuff but it kind of feels a bit off to me <laughs> do you know what i mean oh, yeah. putting that intensity into something i don't know they can just spread it around the righteousness be it about you know politics or football or no I suppose we all can can't we yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah it's good but it's nothing again you know go crazy about yeah it's fine i really i saw someone say during the week should they add zach de to the roster for like a full-time thing yes please yeah. <laughs> i'd take it yeah, for yeah Jill's four, I would take it. Yeah, I'd give it a go. It's probably not going to happen. Oh no, because <laughs> he's, no, no, he's no, notoriously no, vague and mysterious these yeah. days. But yeah, if Run the Jill's four wants to pique people's attention, maybe they need to make some changes. Okay, up next, number between four and five, lads. Four, please, Dave. It's Banks. It was Cullum shout. The song is called Underdog. <laughs> Go straight to Colin Regan. I called this without listening to it. To be perfectly honest, I just got the email and I was just like, "Well, this has come up." I'll flip. Good to know to he's really putting in the hard yards. No, no. Yeah. And then I listened to it. Easy turns up. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Yeah, it's the small things, really. Yeah. Then I gave it a spin. I'm all in on this. To be honest, I think this is great. I think this is sort of real Scandinavian style electro pop. Um, it's a lot brighter and breezier than I was expecting from her. Her sort of downfall in the past for me is that they always try to make her sound like kind of edgy and dangerous when the music clearly isn't. Yeah, this feels a lot more natural for her. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's got this, like, it's like pleasingly efficient as well. I mean, even the choruses don't really play that big. But by the end, you get a real sense of there is a kind of thing of hanging it all together. It's like yeah. a well-written, constructed thing. Never really reaches those kind of, you know, euphoric levels for me. And I do still think to a certain extent... I don't know if she's quite found her thing yet. I hear echoes of a lot of footer artists out there at the moment. Um, but yeah, definitely the most interesting I've heard her be in the last couple of years. Yeah. I'm not quite getting it, I have to say. Really? I just didn't leave an impression. And it was a situation where like the amount of music we had to listen to, even for this episode alone, stuff really had to get into my brain quickly. And I found myself even kind of on the way over here, having listened to it before I left the house, being like, and obviously, you know, I could listen to it on my phone and whatever, but I just didn't bother. And I was just thinking, I was like, I can't remember what that song sounds like. Apart from I thought it was a bit glossy and a bit tropical pop in places and uh, just a bit weak, lightweight. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it didn't stand out in any way. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of better than like the sum of its parts, if that makes any sense. It doesn't. Yeah, no. I mean. The way that, the way that it stacks up, kind of like. No, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Let's, what does that mean? 
Yeah, the way it stacks. I mean, the atmosphere it maintains throughout it, and on repeated listens, it definitely, well, it's gotten stuck in my head. Um, but it doesn't have those moments that necessarily grab you straight away. And I don't think she's doing anything spectacularly different. But as an overall piece of work, yeah, it totally works for me. I'll do a Craig. There, I, f- I pulled that out of my arse, didn't I? <laughs> Colin helped you. I'll do, a, I'll do a Craig on it, and I'll wait for the album. Uh, did someone say edgy and dangerous? Oh. <laughs> Closing out the songs week this week, it's the boys converge. Was this just to get me back for putting banks on the list, was it? No. <laughs> I was doing my best to bring variety to the show. So you're, you're saying you couldn't remember the bank song. Was it because Conference just blasted uh, like everything else out of your head? <laughs> the song is called Reptilian. It is the closing track from upcoming album The Dusk in Us. Now, as we know, big fan of this band. <laughs> We've played them on the show before and Cullum said they sound like uh, people who weren't hugged enough as children. I thought that was very harsh. Listening back to that episode, I was like, that's very harsh. Some people spend years in therapy because of that, man. So, uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing you guys hate it. It wasn't as long as on the other ones you made me listen to. So there's something Can you really that. not appreciate anything about this? I mean, genuinely, like, there are little bits of it that I can, but then, it, like, and I guess this is the problem when you go with this sort of intensity and volume and so forth, that, like, you can pick up on an element that you enjoy, and it's just a matter of time before it is just swept away by a tidal wave of noise okay, and I have crashing. Okay, I have to ask both of you a question. Mm-hmm. I want you to answer me honestly. And it's all right. Have you ever, either of you, ever listened to a Converge album from start to finish? I have, yeah. I, I once gave Jane Doe a bash on your recommendation. Yeah, like, I found myself kind of enjoying them at times. Like, I like the other, we've got two songs thus far, haven't we? I, I, you know, I know this Three is the third. Yeah, yeah. Eve something in this. But, uh, yeah. I well, Eve, Eve was B-side, there's been another two since. Okay. Oh, okay. This, this is the third off the album, so yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I kind of, I, I think I had more time for those, and with this it felt a bit like, yeah, I mean, swept away immediately. Like, it kind of erupted quite quickly and I didn't, didn't think it quite earned you know some of its its noise and it's, there was no great crescendos for me it was just a very noisy riff a lot I did appreciate him actually singing the lyrics because I was looking at the lyrics and I was like is he singing them because sometimes he doesn't bother and I was like oh no he kind of is um, yeah so that was a plus every now and then he does that yes that that is, that is true <laughs> uh, yeah look I mean they're an acquired taste for sure and I would say you know try and you, you, the point I wanted to make about the album thing was you do tune into that frequency as the album opens up I mean you do find yourself bedded in with it because how could you not you know <laughs> like they're not they ain't holding oh, back yeah. how do you not find comfort there <laughs> uh, I find a lot of comfort in Converge I, I really really do I think they're a spectacular band I'm, gla- I'm glad they're still out there and still making music and all I'll say lads is you better hope for a uh, a busy album week when that album drops. Otherwise, we'll be we'll be taking it on. We're doing it one track at a time, mate. Oh, clearly, with three down already. Christ. Only a few more to go. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, acts for which Dave has a particular passion, mentioned earlier that it was time for listening guides to make a return. And on the week that he releases Heaven Upside Down, it felt only right that we would turn the spotlight towards Mister Marilyn Manson. Yeah, 
Okay, so yes, it's the fabulous No Encore Listening Guide, the sporadic, ever malleable No Encore Listening Guide. <laughs> what I'm going to do this time, guys, is I'm going to go through the man's discography, but don't worry, okay. I have prepared it quite well this time for once. So, Excellent. Okay, so we heard Disposable Teens there. Now, that song comes as part of a, you could say, an unholy trinity, mm-hmm. a triptych that uh, Manson fans and critics alike kind of put up there as the gold standard. So I would say, if you are brand new to Marilyn Manson, and if you're like, look, listen, I don't like his image, I don't like him, he's a bit of an idiot, and I've never actually bothered giving him a go. Yeah. As I said before with Nine Inch Nails, I think you might be surprised by just the pop sensibility of, of, of what can be in there, the songwriting chops, all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I think, you know, get past any um, kind of baggage you might have about the man and just dive right in. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. So listen, okay. <clears throat> I would say, if you're like, well, Dave, what are the most essential Marilyn Manson albums to have? I would say Antichrist Superstar, which yeah. comes out in 1996. It's his second album from the, following the 1994 debut, Portrait of an American Family. That's a record I'd say you could take or leave. I'd, I'd say start here. It was a critical commercial success. Trent Reznor produced a few tracks, so as such, there's an industrial crunch all over this record. And it's kind of that mixture of kind of raw and also a, lot, a bit of polish. It kind of feels like a low-budget record that was probably recorded in yeah, the studio. Yeah, he wasn't quite there. Yet. It he was wasn't like quite there yet. 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 Yeah, yeah. Vitally as well, though, it was the record that put him there in terms of popular culture and conservative culture for that matter. This was the record that kind of made him into the sort of shocking figure that, you know, he's sort of been ever since. Yeah, yeah, I mean, someone to really bother the kind of parents of middle America. I mean, the standard tracks in this record are Irresponsible Hate Anthem, The Beautiful People, Tourniquet, and uh, Angel with the Scab Wings, The Reflecting God. They're all fantastic. Go check them out. Uh, don't worry if you miss any of these tracks. I've made a playlist, which I will tell you about at the end of this. That leads into Mechanical Animals, two mm. years later, which this is kind of like, you know, I guess for want of a better term, his Bowie record. I mean, like, like it's kind it, that's, of... Is that his, like, best possibly? Or, it's oh, like, I really like you can album. make the argument for I sure. I think that's an easy entry point. Like this is his kind of glam sci-fi. Yeah, it's I mean, very it's, listenable. It's got the Dope Show, yeah. which is a very well-known song. It also has Rock is Dead, which was performed in Dublin as part of the MTV European <laughs> I remember uh, that. Music yeah. Awards that in 1999, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was hosted by Ronan Keating. <laughs> Uh, a brand new to the music scene, Britney Spears was there and yeah. won a few awards. And that's when Boyzone went up on stage. And Shane Lynch yeah. got on the mic and went, In the press recently, there's been a load of fucking shy about Boyzone breaking up. And he's like, We're not going anywhere. And like a week later, it was like, Boyzone had broken up. Yeah. <laughs> that was, did Iggy Pop face he, yes, 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 yes. It was yeah. a great award. That was a stunning night. Yeah. He dove into the crowd who all moved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a hell of an evening. <laughs> Nobody got the memo oh there. God. Like, yeah. But Mechanical so Animals, great record. Uh, I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me. That's just a jam. You know, that, that's like something Mick Jagger would like to come up with, I would imagine. Uh, Coma White is a beautiful song, quite gentle, surprisingly. And, and the thing about Manson is, I mean, like, you know, for a long time, his lyrically, he was very, very, very sharp and very able to kind of cut to the 
kind of underbelly. I think it's no surprise that, you know, kind of angsty teens uh, flocked to him so much because he was speaking their language. Hollywood in 2000 completes this trilogy. Uh, This was released after Columbine propelled him to kind of America's number one boogeyman status if he wasn't there already. Although you might successfully argue that Eminem had by that point stolen his Mm. uh, Won't Somebody Please Think of the Children, Helen Lovejoy Thunder. Um, Some of the tracks in this record kind of date back quite a while, though, back to like 95. But I mean, like, it's it's an absolute behemoth of an album that spectacularly fails the coveted No Encore Brevity rule, uh, clocking in at 20 tracks. If you choose to count the acoustic version of The Nobodies, which is decent, the standouts for me on this one are The Love Song, The Fight Song, Disposable Teens, which we heard, The Nobodies, The Death Song, and Born Again, which, by the way, remember when Sean Adams was here on Sunday and he was like, that song sounds like a glam Marilyn Manson disco song? Yeah. Born Again is that song. All right. So yeah, that's the conclusion of this trilogy, which unfortunately gives way to something of a downfall as Manson succumbs to the excess and the kind of bacchanalia that he once lorded over while simultaneously enjoying and also reaping <laughs> strong artistic work from at the same time, which was important. I mean, for a time, his work becomes quite leaden after this and obvious a bit uninspired. Uh, he remains a sharp single specialist in this run, though, with the likes of Mob Scene, Heart-Shaped Glasses, and We're From America, all of a very high quality. But the parent albums, like The Golden Age of Grotesque in 2003, Eat Me, Drink Me, and The High End of Low, they just can't be described as essential offerings. You know, with eat, eat, uh, sorry, Eat Me, Drink Me in particular is like a career nadir. It's not a good album at all. Is he a bit of a kind of Morrissey in the fact that like he kind of needs a really good musical foil to play off? Do you know what I mean? He's reliant on someone else. I give, think so. At least inspiring him. Or kind I of, think you know, so. Yeah. And I mean, and that, that, that does come back to fruition like with the kind of the return to form. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, like he worked with like a lot of interesting people on those first records, but like the high end of low though, which comes along, I think it was 2009, does hint at hope for the future if he decided to kind of trim the fat, cut the bullshit and really fucking go for it, which he started to really do that with Born Villain in 2012, which I reviewed for Hot Press and actually I really regretted, I gave it three out of five and I found myself being like, I should have given it a four. It's actually very good. Like no reflection. Could have changed his career, mate. I could have I, I saved him. <laughs> no reflection is an amazing comeback single. Uh, there's some belters on that, on that album, including the cover of You're So Vain with uh, Johnny Depp, problematic Johnny Depp with, uh, on drums. Yeah. They're best fucking mates, yeah. But the apparently, point... Apparently they just sit there and mumble at each other. <laughs> I read a Rolling sense. Stones interview once where they were, it was just like, yeah, the love of not enunciating seems to have really brought them together. I mean, Whatever like, happened to Johnny Depp's voice over the years, I do not know. Uh, a lot of drugs, I would say. Um, so <laughs> but he turned into like a different... Like he, he started impersonating Hunter S. Thompson and just became that person, I think. But anyway, yeah. go on. Substance abuse. Uh, so basically, uh, what I would say about this is, I, I remember like, you know, 2003, buying the Golden Age of Grotesque and bringing it home and being like, oh my god, this is going to be incredible. And sitting there and just kind of feeling like, oh, you know, like it's fun, I'm having fun, but something's gone, something's lost. And he did lose something in that run, but it comes back into focus on Born Villain, and he fucking knocks it out of the park. I've mentioned it numerous times in the show. 2015 is The Pale Emperor. He works with a guy called Tyler Bates, which uh, is a name that is annoying these days because of the wrestler Tyler Bates. Very close to Tyler Bates. Ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, they're not the same person. Uh, But that would make him producing (laughs) at a 14 or something. (laughs) Uh, the Pale Emperor Craig I've talked enough about it oh yeah no I, uh, this like really hooked me back into what he was doing because I mean there was a solid you know decade where I was just like I couldn't have cared less um, the songwriting is great on it it's it's more of a kind of bluesy yeah. again back to that glam fun thing and also he found a kind of narrative direction where like whereas he'd, he'd sound quite tired he kind of took on this new role where it wasn't so much that I'm just going to shock you now it was kind of like I'm like the elder statesman yeah, of exactly. this decadence and like it was very interesting plus, I mean, like, like it opens with a track like "Killing Strangers," which is yeah, brilliant, great, and that's like inspired directly by his father, his recently late father, who served in Vietnam, and it's you know about American military and just casual murder, all that kind of stuff. So he had something to chew on, and yeah. it felt almost like he was like, you know what, 
I, I want to reclaim my throne. So like, he's never going to be as shocking as he once was or as notorious, but he found a gold vein of songwriting again. Yeah. So for me, to wrap up this listening guy, what I would say is, uh, I'll mention, the, I, I made a playlist and it's 40 tracks plus at this stage, but he's just such a good, like there, there's so many good songs where I was like, that has to be in there. So I'm going to put that up on my Twitter at Henry Dave, on the No Encore Twitter at No Encore Show. But if you're like, I want albums, the gold standard of albums are Antichrist Superstar, Mechanical Animals, Hollywood, and The Pale Emperor. Cool. Missing from that list is Heaven Upside Down. Now, granted, we've only had sort of the past 10 days to get used to the record, which drops today by the time this, uh, you're listening to this episode. To kind of quickly sum that one up, has the rich vein of form from Pale Emperor not turned out to be as rich as we thought? <laughs> well, I think that's unfair. Um, I think he's dropped a step for yeah. sure uh, but I think he's dropped a step lyrically I think this is a really good album I think this is very strong and I think that I've seen some very negative opposition to this record kind of saying that he's gone back to the worst of the overstating Manson like, like he's just yeah. trying to show off he's trying to be like you know like so shocking once again and there's elements of that for sure but I think that these are those moments are part of very very strong arrangements he's working with Tyler Bates again who's who came back to work with him despite having a box cutter pulled on him uh, during a tour they did or something so yeah I mean like I Lads. guess I, I re- no I really <laughs> like this record I, I, I really really like this record I think it's very direct I think it's a lot of fun I don't think it has the kind of depth that the Pale Emperor has mm. But at the same time, I think it does have those kind of moments if you choose to go with them. I think it's very strong. I think something like Tattooed in Reverse was the only moment that I really felt, okay, yeah, like, you know, that's still there. That like that kind of synthy, bluesy, funky yeah, thing yeah. isn't necessarily lost because the rest of it, like you say, I did feel that it was a bit he was shocking trying, for the sake of it. Or, and he was trying to kind of write, you know, those shock anthems that he's done so much better before. And again, yeah, I think the, lyrically there's a few, like, a few missteps. Um, but no, I agree, the arrangements were strong. It's probably just more in that vein of thing that doesn't quite do it for me. Um, so definitely kind of less interesting for me. But I saw something written the other day Honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember where, but it was talking about when they released the trailer for this record, which included, you know, kind of a red tie and blood dripping, and people were like, oh, is that Trump? And it turns out that the guy who shot that is the same guy who then a few months later shot the Kathy Griffin photo of her actually holding Trump's decapitated head. But they said, you know, like, who would have thought that Marilyn Manson's provocative video from, you know, a year ago would then be overshadowed by a Kathy Griffin comedy photo. Well, it kind of shows you what you're up against yeah. now when you're in an effort and to shock America or yeah, shock the that's, world. Yeah, that is the thing. I mean, it's just, it, things have, like, it's not slating him, things have just gotten too crazy, even yeah. for Marlon. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, that's the case he has to face now, where it's like, how does this guy promote a record? Because he promoted this one harder than he promoted The Pale Emperor. Yeah. The Pale Emperor kind of just came out. I mean, you can kind of see, I suppose, then, though, like, why he does those wild interviews, like the one we That's the point. Yeah, he gets people talking. But yeah. I think, like, he's an interesting enough character, and he's got enough, like, if he just does good work. But he work, has to play the role. He can't, he can't just sit down and be, like, not doing the thing. That's, yeah. that, that's what he does. You see, I'll be perfectly honest and say, like, that I'm somebody who's always found Marilyn Manson the character, or Marilyn Manson the person, far more interesting than Marilyn Manson the musician. And I'm... Imagine that I'm not alone right. in that. So, you know, he knows he has to weaponize it. Anyway, um, that record uh, dropping today also uh, is the new one from Wolf Parade. It's called Cry, Cry, Cry. And this from it is your dreaming.
yeah, one of the lead singles from uh, the new Cry 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 album from Wolf Parade, uh, along with Valley Boy, which we did, I think, listen to before. We did indeed, yeah. Um, yeah, this is the first record uh, that they've done collectively in... Uh, how many years? Seven years, Seven, I believe, since Expo years, 86. Yeah. Um, we got the EP last year, but it was, I think it was just called, you know, EP4 or something. Yeah. It, it felt very much like, here's what we're working on, we want to get it out there. Um, but this is like a proper statement. And I think it's interesting, like, I never really, I, I never had a great love for this band. I always kind of liked them from afar. This, to me, felt like a polished statement and actually them sounding maybe more comfortable than they have done in, in quite a while. I actually I have a lot of time for this record. The title comes from Sail of Way, which was on that EP, which is one of the best songs of last year. It's an absolute gorgeous number of a song. Yeah, um, I am a big Wolf Parade fan. The Apologies to the Queen Mary in 2005 is one of my favourite records. It contains I'll Believe in Anything, which is in my top 10 favourite songs ever. I've seen them live a bunch of times. I'm looking forward to seeing them in the Button Factory on the 20th of this month. And... When they went away, though, I must say I wasn't heartbroken because I felt that over the course of three records, the aforementioned Apologies to Queen Mary, At Mount Zoomer and Expo 86, it started to wane. And there was moments, for sure, uh, but like on, on all these records, but it was definitely a case of like first, second, third, I mean, really. Right. So by the time they, they announced that they were going on hiatus, uh, indefinite hiatus, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I mean, like, if, if that's all we get, that's all we get. I mean, like, you know, they've left a good-looking corpse, that's grand. And of course, they're always doing different things, like Dan Bochner was in Handsome Furs with his then-wife for a few albums. Spencer Krug has been in a million different bands. Yeah, a lot to, of side know, projects there. Diminishing returns, I mean, like, some great stuff and some not-so-great stuff. So the announcement that they were coming back was a shock, and as much as I was like, well, I kind of thought they were done. I mean, I didn't know what else more they have to say. And I saw them at Body and Soul last year, and I think I've mentioned before that, like, in the middle of the set, some guy in the front row, in that classical Irish way of not even yelling it, he kind of went, still got it. And Dan Bochner heard him and kind of went, yeah, still got it. And it was just like, Jesus. <laughs> well, it was like, Classic kinda, Dan. But it was like, it was like they do still have it. Live, they're a particularly great force. And this album kind of confirms that. I mean, it's an album that nobody needed. But, sure. but maybe they needed to make it. I mean, like Craig says, they they sound comfortable. Do they do they sound too comfortable? In this I mean, one? you know, it's interesting that you say like maybe they needed to make it. I think also they probably almost definitely needed the break before they could yeah. make this record. This doesn't even sound like an invi- reinvigoration. It sounds in many ways like a reset button has been hit. That the same sort of. You know, and I don't mean this in a necessarily critical way, but the kind of the grab bag format of, you know, we're kind of going to show everything that we can do here. We're going to flex the prog muscles and the sort of okay, shoppy, let's say indie yeah. pop writing. Well, let's say no one listening to this has ever heard them properly before. How would right. you best describe Wolf Parade? So basically, they've got a kind of a dual frontman thing, and yeah. basically they play off each other quite wonderfully so that you get half of this kind of well-crafted pop music yeah. and half of this very explorative prog sort of, you know, long guitar solo, six, seven minute tracks, etc. And it's something that works very well over the course of an album because it mixes it up, but they're kind of combined enough. I I suppose Spencer Spencer Krug is more of the vaudevillian kind of artistic kind of making Mm. a statement and Dan's kind of enthralled to, you know, your classic rockers to an extent. Um, But yeah, like this to me felt a bit like, you know, they're never going to have that like tightly wound, I think kind of, you know, pent up energy release thing they had in in the early years, I don't think. But this st- struck me like the way, you know, brand news um, science fiction when it came out. It's just like, it's a more reflective thing. It's kind of very recognisably them, but slightly 
dialed back and you know slightly just kind of giving a bit more room to breathe and a bit more polished which might turn some people off you know it's not frantic there are moments um but i I really like this i mean yeah like it, it, it struck me like as a canadian band that maybe a lot of their peers got more acclaim and plaudits and possibly had higher highs and you know more charismatic people in them or kind of different reasons why you were drawn to them some of the statements they're making on this record before I heard it, I was a bit nervous. And like with Valley Boy, I was like, okay, they're talking about David Bowie being dead. They're talking about, you know, okay, Trump, things are going to shit. Oh, this culture of, you know, streaming and everything's terrible online and blah, blah, blah. And we saw Arcade Fire tackle that really, really badly this really year. Badly. And here, Wolf Parade, like their compatriots do it very well, actually. I think they handled it quite well. There's some moments where you're like, okay, you're belaboring the point. But on the whole, I think they did, they did a good job. There are ball drops on this record, yeah. without a doubt. Uh, like, the opener, even Lazarus Online, is kind of plodding. Granted, though... Oh, man! No, I... I no, no! I was going to say, that they begin with I a huge I thought that was great. I thought yeah. that was, you think? That was I one of the most confident was... and arresting openers it, it, I've that heard was, all year. That's where I got the Arcade Fire thing, where they had that weirdly flipping thing about suicide and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, this is a much more deft Yeah, like this... I don't know the backstory if they're if he's being literal, but it appears to be like a fan wrote to him that I guess her boyfriend is dead and she's chosen to live essentially, and it's yeah. based around this piano ballad that builds and builds. As soon as I even heard the first thirty seconds, I was like, "Oh yeah, they're back." Yeah, I was on board. See, I must They've say, still got it. I genuinely thought it was a ponderous. Well, was it because God. you were kind of waiting for that wolf parade thing of just like hit me, you know, straight out of the traps? Or not necessarily. Like that, no. Not necessarily. I'll tell you, I have a theory, and like it's only expounded on by this album is that. Like, they can do huge and epic and kind of five, six, seven minutes, and they can do three-minute tight indie pop, blah, blah, blah. Right. But when the two meet, when they try to do a sort of a deep, thoughtful cut of about four minutes without that <laughs> it's expansive, the <laughs> without that expansive, like, room to breathe, yeah. that sort of, like, the three-minute musical interludes of something here like Baby Blue or Weaponized. Yeah. That if they don't have that at their disposal, it just ends up a little bit, I don't know, just cloying or something. Right, okay. No, I it struck me as... Yeah, yeah. I, suppose, you know, I thought it was course. empathetic, actually. I thought it was very, like... Oh yeah, no, this is delicate. This I'm is well dead handled. inside as well. Though, Dave, so that doesn't help. Uh, but, so. but you know, by, by the time we get to some of the kind of penultimate songs, I was kind of thinking, definitely thematically, okay, we have the message. Although I really like the closer um, because it's a real kind of like it's an anti-Trump thing. It's done in a way that's a bit like, listen, uh, we're all fucking fucked, and it's like that kind of really resigned, you know, blast it all to hell kind of thing. And I thought it was really good. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I think as an album that does certainly have those moments that there's more than enough sort of chinks of light along the way. Sure, you know, yeah. This isn't a, a, just a terminally dark record. No, not at all. There's some lovely pop moments along there. Yeah, I mean, imagine Valley, like, Valley Boy I was never fully sold on, and I'm still not fully sold on it, but I love the breakdown. The middle eight is beautiful, mm-hmm. and it actually is really yeah. kind of charging. Your Dreaming is a great like single in particular. Like as a one-two or two, three, as they're placed on the record in a very traditional sort of, here's our singles sort of way. It, it, it is good. Yeah. I really enjoyed Baby Blue, that kind of theatrical, oh, yeah. like, let's let's do it again. Like, let's drag out that ending. But it's coming back again. It, reminded me, it actually reminded me of, like, Metallica's Moth into Flame in terms of structure, not in terms of, like, what's in it. But uh, the idea of, like, oh, uh, this song should be over by now, but it's not, and I'm still having a good time. 
How do we feel about Who Are You? Which I actually, that was my least favorite. I think. Yeah, the football hooligan like. Did, 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 did. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, what? I was like, did they go to a match somewhere and they were like inspired? That, that was Spencer Krug again, wasn't it? Because I think he's the one that kind yeah. of can tend to get on my nerves. Well, he's the, like, he like, overdoes but it. This is him. Over, this is him <laughs> yeah. overdoing it. Yeah. I mean, like, this is him where he's like he's using his voice to be that kind of like funnel going off a fucking wind tunnel and it's like yeah. yeah i mean like you know you're either gonna like it or you're not but yeah i think it drags in the middle or like kind of a start of the third act type thing yeah but by the end i am finding them winning the day that's exactly my yeah, and my i think thoughts, yeah. that you know as a comeback record for a band that kind of pun- definitely punched themselves out to a degree there's enough here to admire and to kind of bring forward and i think the fact that the three of us have taken slightly different kind of favorites from it is indication enough that that's the case so i mean yeah i'm gonna go 7.5 and that comes with a lot of love from a big fan and i'm looking forward to hearing some of these live i'm looking forward to hearing the classics live if you've never seen them before like and you're curious get a ticket to that gig because it's gonna be fucking great yeah october the 20th in the button factory i believe i'd go 7.5 as well yeah i think nailed it <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd go 7 7.5 7.5 <laughs> wow. let's keep that's it symmetrical why not yeah. wow what else can we listen to uh, much like I know you have as well, Dave, been listening to the new And So I Watch It From Afar right? I have. The Endless Shimmering comes out at the end of the month. I think it's actually out on the 20th. Yeah, I think we are professed fans from previous shows anyway. People oh, yeah. know that we're into them. And uh, yeah, it's not a letdown, put it that way. They're, no, they're, it's, they're back on form. It's arresting for... Yeah, they're back on form for sure. Ayers was a decent record, but it definitely dropped the ball a little bit for them. You know, But this is definitely more in, in the right vein that I quite like. Mm-hmm. It's been arresting to listen to. I've been enjoying it. I've also checked out that new Wolf Alice album, Visions of a Life, mm-hmm. because I completely forgot that it came out oh yeah I missed that until Sean mentioned it on Sunday actually and it's really good and it kind of does that weird thing where like it's all over the place but in a good way like they're a band that refuse to be categorised like I feel like they're almost resentful of ever staying in the same place for more than five minutes because you have the singles you know like which were diametrically opposed you have Yuck Fu which is this two minute fucking stomper and you've got Don't Delete the Kisses which I think is one of the more kind of emotionally engaging well crafted songs of the year and then you have some kind of weird things where they go off into like these weird prog moments themselves and these kind of like long guitar solos out of nowhere. But there's just a general sense of atmosphere throughout that really carries it through. And I think it's a very good record. It's worth checking out. Uh, yeah, I was listening to Moses Sumney's debut, uh, which is A Romanticism. Um, and I was kind of like, I heard some of his stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's tasteful, but I'm not sure if it's for me. Um, but no, I thought it was. It's, it's actually growing on me. Uh, it's a very sad, immaculately sad record that has like neo soul moments and jazzy bits and it's nice and airy it's good yeah good to listen to anything else because dave's just taking a bite of sandwich forgetting that he needs to sign off now. i think yeah <laughs> no i haven't actually I dave oh, yeah. ask, did you listen to the side record because you felt really bad about not coming to the show yeah i did yeah fit the mood that's gotta be it i forgot that you said that you'd heard the inside watch from afar album and i thought i can get away with this bite of the sandwich <laughs> Oh, <laughs> turns, out, turns out I couldn't. Uh, a reminder that uh, I won't be eating a sandwich in front of students and NUIG in Galway on the Well, you might be, but not on stage. You never know. Yeah. Who the fuck knows, man? Well, we can put that in our rider. One sandwich, please. <laughs> sandwich. Fourth of, no- <laughs> Fourth of November uh, in Galway. I've been to Galway in a long time. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's going to be great. It's gonna be uh, exciting. I hope Craig will come to the show. It's going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> to close us out this week... New Irish music. Uh, we've had our we've had our fill of great Irish music in the last few weeks. It's hard to pick just one, but uh, didn't want to let this one go by. The Scratch. The Scratch are a band that I saw at a party about a year and a half ago, playing what I I coined as traddle, basically traditional Irish and metal. 
is what it sounded like. But wait, listener, I swear it's really good. They've actually decided to branch out even further and actually write some proper kind of songs with lyrics and things. And uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the rubber band is kind of calling this song out in particular as kind of a really good example of a wry look at Irish people and Irish culture. This song essentially is about being cornered at a party by someone who's nice, but really fucking overbearing, and you desperately want to get away from them. And I've, I've, I've I, I was about to say, you said you first came across these guys at a party I know. a year ago. Right? <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I've, I've, I know what they're talking about, and I because <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I've probably been that guy. Uh, I hope it's not specifically about me, <laughs> but if it is, I'll own it because it's a really good fucking song. The song is called Punisher. But before I go, Craig, thanks for coming to the show. No problem. Anytime. Cool. Well, most times. Colum, it's good to see you. I'll try to keep it up. As always. My name is Dave Henry. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. This is The Scratch and Punisher. When he asked me, uh, are you uh, left handed? You know, when I'm playing guitar itself. I don't know why it goes like that, but just sometimes that's just the way it goes. You know, just naturally go to the left handed position, you know. So then he asked me, well, what hand do you anchor it then? I go, boat, man. Milk and a fucking cow. Do you know how many languages I speak? 18, that's right. Been an engineer for fucking 30 years. What do you think that is? No, it's not just a clothes, yeah, it's a clothes hanging, but what did I use it for? So basically, I used that to get me gaff, got like a gaff last night. And basically, I just flipped it up, see that? I flipped it over like that, and I cored it under it, under like that. And I shimmied it under the door. Wait, you see this? I shimmied it under the door, flipped it up and under and then bang, that was
is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.